Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, so in the last podcast, I talked about General Milley and others, and uh, since then, um, he has testified, he and uh, Defense Secretary Austin and uh, a couple other, a few others of the top brass. Uh, they testified in front of Congress, in front of the Senate. And uh, so just a little update on that. Basically, uh, General Milley uh, kind of skirted the issue of what he said to Woodward uh, for his book, Peril. Uh, so he skirted the question of whether or not he... Uh, made any actual um, comments or any deal with the uh, Chinese, uh, his Chinese counterpart. So it kind of skirted that issue. But he did, and the others, uh, basically throw President Biden under the bus. President Biden, as you may know, denied that he was uh, told... That he that there was any recommendation to keep troops in Afghanistan, uh, Milley and others said no. They they had recommended uh, keeping small contingency force of about twenty five, or yeah, twenty five hundred troops there, which was the number that we basically the last number we had there. So they did recommend keeping troops there. Um, so they kind of contradicted what, uh, President Biden had said. And so that's just a quick update on General Milley. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about him, but so far, no accountability on the part of anybody who planned or had a uh, say in the operation, the bungled uh, pullout from Afghanistan. Still, no no sign of anybody being held accountable for that. So, we'll see in coming months. All right. So, this was. Other than that, um, it's been a relatively uneventful week so without a specific i guess topic to talk about um want to kind of relate to uh my recent trip to the grocery store uh now before you tune out i mean there is a point to telling you this story all right so anyway got into my suv which is roughly the same size as a large car, but it's designated as a truck to get around the cafe standards. Which, you know, if you designate a vehicle a car, it has to have one gas mileage rating. If you designate it a truck, uh, it can have a different one. And so that's the game that the auto industry and the government have been playing for 
a few decades now. You know, if uh, if the cars on the road have to have a certain uh, cumulative gas mileage, the the entire fleet, then uh, the auto industry is just going to make things that they can call trucks. And so, if you're wondering why almost everybody on the road now, nowadays has an SUV, but the SUVs are kind of the same size, at least in length, uh, as a car, uh, now you know why. That is due to the cafe standards, um, kind of a way for them to get around the standards. So, there was that. And, um, of course, on the way to the grocery store, because um, I was burning gas that was made more expensive, in part by Biden's war on fossil fuels. Now, you remember that pretty much the very first thing he did when he got in office was cancel the XL pipeline. And uh, he also canceled the rights to of uh, oil exploration in different parts of the United States. Uh, meanwhile, he approved the or uh, or he, he took away any of the roadblocks that we had uh, between the Russians and their pipeline going to Western Europe. So. Basically, it's okay for the Russians to build the pipeline, but it's not okay for the Americans to and Canadians to build a pipeline. So apparently, the, the uh, problem was never pipelines; it was uh, who owns them. And uh, not surprisingly, that if the uh, oil and gas is not being ship via pipe which is the safest way to um, transport oil fossil fuels uh, it's going to be transported by rails now guess who has a lot of interest in the rails um, be uh, a couple of important people in washington dc uh, particularly in the halls of congress so, surprise, surprise. And, of course, anybody who's made a trip to the store recently may have found some goods in rather short supply. Um, sporadic shortages of different goods. And, uh, or some of the stuff was out of stock or in low supply because of supply a uh, supply chain disruption due to COVID policies, paying people to stay home and not work. And of course, uh, it's also worth mentioning different countries around the world um, having lockdowns, uh, particularly in the British Commonwealth company or countries of. Uh, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, they all have strict uh, lockdown rules, particularly in Australia. Um, 
where they're having a bit of problem with people not wanting to uh, lose their livelihoods over it. So you have supply chain disruption at both ends, uh, particularly if one of those ends happens to be Australia or another Commonwealth country um, where they have some of the most severe lockdowns uh, anywhere in the world. So congratulations. Uh, good job all around. Uh, sarcasm noted. And then, um, you know, waited longer in the checkout line because unvaccinated workers were fired or released due to Biden's vaccine mandate that mandates everybody or every company that has more than 100 employees, which is a lot of almost all uh, food store chains have more than 100 employees. Uh, they have to get uh, either be fully vaccinated or they have to take COVID test um, once a week. And that is Biden's uh, ingenious COVID mandate. Uh, which I'll be talking a little bit more about that later. But uh, here we are, according to Biden, uh, it's important to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Yeah, um, no, that does not make sense. Um, you heard that right. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> so well, a little bit more about that later. Um, and if you're like me, you paid more at the checkout due to inflation, inflation due to man-made shortages, a uh, few, uh, as I mentioned before, and out of control deficit spending. And so you have a lot of people whose job was to make the widgets or, uh, transport the food or process the food that uh, we like to eat and uh, a lot of those people who uh, were laid off during due to COVID uh, never bothered to re-enter the war workforce because they were getting paid more to stay out of the workforce and collect unemployment than to get back in. So here you have the federal government uh, de-incentivizing work. So, uh, welcome to the United States circa 2021. And of course there is the out of control deficit spending. Uh, I believe there's still the $3.5 trillion, uh, package. It's the budget, um, think we've narrowly averted a uh, temporary shutdown of the government, which, of course, that's always, that's always uh, ruse, and uh, that's always a game that they play uh, around budget time. Uh, they shut down the government, uh, I remember, a few years ago. 
back in the Obama administration, there was a government shutdown or partial government shutdown. You never have a total government shutdown, but you had a government shutdown. And so what did they do? They shut down open air memorials in Washington, D.C. So you have, uh, you had the Washington Monument, among other memorials and uh, monuments in Washington, D.C., fenced off. And you have, basically, you had the Park Service and, I guess, other groups, but mainly the Park Service, uh, spending more money to erect the fences, the bike racks, as they were to close off these open-air memorials. Okay, so it's not like you're you're closing a building and saving money on the electricity. These this is the Washington Monument, the the World War II memorial, and uh, that was the wrong answer and of course uh with regards to the world war ii memorial there were uh what do you call it? freedom flights the freedom flights are um they're flights of uh, world war ii veterans uh the last surviving world war ii veterans they're flown to washington dc uh, so that they can pay homage to their fallen comrades and uh, all the others who served in uh, World War II. They go to be guests of honor at the World War II uh, Museum in Washington, D.C., and these were called uh, Freedom Flights. And so what you had is you had... Um, World War II veterans, you know, in their 80s and 90s, being flown in, and uh, they only to find out that the World War II memorial, which is an open air memorial, okay, there's it's not a billion, it's open air memorial. It's a really nice place if you ever get to Washington D.C. I'd recommend you go there, but it was fenced off. And so, and that this was all, again, a game to create as much pain and blame uh, against the Republicans, because you know, it's always the Republicans, no matter who is not agreeing to the budget at the time, it's always the budget, it's always the Republicans that uh, seem to get blamed no matter what side of the issue they're on whether or not whether they're in control of the budget or whether they're in the minority and just won't support Democrats' budget. Um, so they play this game every time. And so this particular time there was a particularly vicious and spiteful uh, move by then President Obama to close the World War II memorial uh, pointlessly. Um, the excuse was given you know, not enough guards for the Park Service, but it cost people and man hours to erect the bike racks to keep the people out the public out of the uh the memorial that their tax dollars uh, largely paid for and so there's 
uh, groups of World War II veterans earn the the right to go into the World War World War II Memorial. They were denied that right, and so what me and a few thousand of my veteran buddies did is we erected or we uh, dismantled the fencing around the World War II Memorial so that our our veterans of World War II could, and their families could have access to it. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, we, de we deposited the bike racks neatly on the White House, against the White House fence. So, and uh, that was pretty much it. Um, I think uh, the... Uh, I think uh, President Obama... Obama uh, lost that uh, publicity battle right there with with that um, spiteful and needless stunt. But anyway, so we averted another shutdown, I guess temporarily, and uh, but still, I think by the time you hear this, well, by the time some of you hear this. Uh, Congress will have voted. It looks like you have Manchin and Cinema, who are not going to uh, vote for the spending measures as is. So, and this is like, you know, this is Biden's, you know, centerpiece, hallmark piece of legislation, his signature legislation, at least, you know, we think it will be. Or would be, and so that's kind of getting torpedoed. I think they're going to settle for probably about a budget half of what they're asking for. The Democrats are asking for three point five trillion. That's trillion with a T. And um, Cinema and Mansion, to their credit, have said no. So anyway, um, anything, I would say anything over a trillion, um, is too much. We've already spent trillions and trillions on, uh, since, uh, COVID, uh, you know, you may remember the COVID relief patch packages, uh, signed into law under president Trump. Uh, those were bad enough, but now all of a sudden the floodgates are open and now, um, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the trillion word has lost its mystique and now it's all too commonly talked about when we talk about budgets, federal budgets and spending. Now we're talking about trillions for the first time in history. So anyway, I'm in the checkout line and I'm uh, waiting there longer than usual because they don't have the staff because they had to let go their unvaccinated staff. And now I am buying my groceries and paying more for them. And as I mentioned, there was the supply chain disruption due to COVID or actually COVID rules, fiats, whatever. Um, 
And then there was the um, just out of control federal spending. A lot of it started, did start under President Trump, under the COVID relief. And of course, the Democrats uh, saw that as an opportunity to get a lot of their wish list through. So they had huge, passed huge bloated COVID relief bills under Trump. And then there's been one, I believe, under Biden, purely under Biden. And now they're trying to pass another $3.5 trillion. Now, a lot of the inflation, as I mentioned, we are experiencing now is due to that spending. Okay, because the, the government has no money. It has no money in savings, and every so every cent of that is coming is deficit spending, which means they have to print the money, or they have to sell debt, which they're running out of people to sell the debt to. And so, what it seems um, to be the case is that you have the treasury or the federal government uh, monetizing the debt in other words they're they're printing money to pay for the debt and of course that causes inflation because the more dollars you have and without changing the value without attaching the value of those dollars to anything like gold or anything like that you, you increase the dollar supply, and therefore every individual dollar is worth less. And this, of course, is economics 101. And so you, we are already experiencing the inflation. If you, and if you want to go back um, to last year when I predicted this will happen, uh, please do. Um, because I and a lot of other people called it, um, for when they first started talking in terms of trillions, um, you know, that set off the, the, the red flags, you know, the, the red flag should have went off in everybody's mind, but apparently the Democrats are unfamiliar with basic economics and, and so the idea of spending trillions of dollars just didn't phase them uh, one bit, even if we had to print money to cover those debts. So now what we have is inflation. And again, um, a portion of that inflation infla uh, it is from uh, printing money. So their, their aim apparently is to monetize the debt. Now, who does that work for? Well, it doesn't work for the average person, obviously, because your dollar is worth less. And so now, um, if you think of it in, time, in terms of how long you have to work to get that item, okay? So say you're uh, getting a bottled water and or... You're, you're getting, um, say, a case of bottled water. And maybe you were making uh, $15 an hour. And now that 
bottled water, piece of bottled water that costs $15 or whatever it was, say it costs $15. Okay, that bought that case that cost $15 a year ago um, actually costs you an hour's worth of work. Okay, so hope you're following me there. And so now to buy that same case of water that cost $15 a year ago, now that same item, you have to work maybe an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes to earn the money to buy that same item. And so that's, that's how the average person uh, making wages is being screwed. Um, because inflation, of, of course, is the most regressive of taxes. It's a tax that everybody pays. And it does disproportionately hurt, obviously, the people on the lower rungs of the income bracket. Um, particularly, you have people who are working, and now they have to work longer to earn enough money to buy the same goods um, as previous. And so that's how inflation is growing over. Uh, the average person. So who benefits from that? Well, the people who benefit from it are the people who have debt. Um, because if you think about it, whatever they bought with that debt, say you bought a car, okay, and you paid $10,000 for that car, and you took out an auto loan for $10,000, Okay, so now, or at the time, that $10,000 bought a car. And now years later, um, with through the magic of inflation, you are paying back, your car payment is now worth the money you're paying for uh, is not the same money. So you, you, you're paying for it. You got the item in say, uh, 2020. Now in 2021, you're paying for it in 2021 dollars, which are worth, um, say 90 cents on the dollar. I don't know what the actual inflation rate is, but somewhere I'd say between 85 and 90 cents. So you're actually making out because now you're paying less for that same item. So now, um, another way to put it is, you know, if like, say there was inflation, um, say it went up 8% a year. Well, now, you know, would you rather pay for it, pay that money in today's dollars or tomorrow's dollars? Now, you already have what you paid for. You know, those money, if you can wait two years with inflation, that same money that you're paying back for the item that you bought on credit 
is now worth less. It's buys less, so it has less of an impact of what you can buy. Uh, so hopefully um, you're following me on this. So you know you you would rather pay for an item like say if you could you you would you want to pay for an item um with a dollar that has the strength of like say two years ago or 10 years ago so if you could uh have that dollar you know plus the inflation you know now you're paying you know, now that dollar that you're paying off the debt is actually paying a dollar 20 off that debt so i don't know if that makes any sense so i guess another way to look at it like say you had weimar weimar republic levels of, of hyperinflation which is not out of the question. Anybody who tells you otherwise is selling you something. So say you had a Weimar Republic-style hyperinflation or Venezuela-style uh, hyperinflation, right? And now that you're paying for you have the good, you bought it on credit, but now that same dollar is worth a penny, but it's paying off that same dollar from two years ago or 10 years ago. So you're basically paying pennies on the dollar as far as your impact on your, your total purchasing power. So it's like depend, the people of Venezuela or let's, let's well, we'll keep with the uh, Weimar. Like you paid... Uh, in marks, you know, you owe 10 marks uh, before that would buy you, say, uh, a nice men's suit. Okay, now after a couple months in the Weimar Republic hyperinflation, that same 10 marks is now worth um, a penny or whatever the German penny was at the time i forget so that's basically how it works you're you're now paying off debt you're getting the same thing of value and basically you're paying less of it as a, a portion of your total buying power because now that same dollar that was worth a dollar now uh, through hyperinflation, maybe it's worth 10 cents. So losing that dollar that you're paying for your debt is basically like losing 10 cents. Is is basically the same as costing you 10 cents. So hopefully, you know, that's clear as mud. But suffice to say that companies who are in debt, particularly huge debt, um, and or or countries or companies who have huge debts are now going to pay off so they love inflation because now they get to 
paid off with money that's worth less than the money that cost originally. So, um, so the inflation favors those who have debt to pay off because now you're paying off with, um, dollars that are worth less. So, and so anyway, getting back to my shopping trip, uh, due to inflation, uh, in my particular case, I am paying about $30 more per trip to the groceries, grocery store for basically the same stuff I was paying $50 for just a year ago and something like $35-$40 uh, a few years before that. I remember uh, going to the grocery store and it was very rare um, to to pay more than $50 for a trip. No, I make I do very little. I only buy a few days worth of stuff, but if my I'm spending now probably $30 a trip more than I was last year. And that, of course, is inflation. Because I'm not buying more expensive food, I can tell you that. And probably you're not either. And so if your normal trip, say you're buying a uh, groceries for a family of four and you're used to paying even for like it's like a real real decent uh cartload say you're spending two hundred dollars for your family um every every time you went to the grocery store now if you were paying that just a year ago you're probably paying somewhere around i don't know uh 250 stuff on my top of my head i'm going to guess 250 260 now so and in this it's only going to get worse and you have these trillion dollar spending bills multi-trillion dollar spending bills and with it's all deficit spending and so what are they going to do they're going to have to print the money to cover those bills and what what happens is each dollar bill is worth less because you you have more of them you have more and more dollars chasing the same or fewer amount of goods and so you have inflation it's basic economics which uh, a generous person would assume that democrats just fail to understand uh, a more cynical person would say that uh, the Democrats, at least some of them, know damn well what they're doing. And they're looking at paying down the debt uh, the easy way for them, as I mentioned. Okay, because they would rather pay down the debt in 2021 dollars than in 2020 dollars. Or 2022 dollars rather than 2020 dollars. Um, but any, everybody else gets to pay that reg most regressive of taxes called inflation. Um, so it's no mystery. And I'm sure everybody who listens to this 
podcast has their own uh, story about inflation. And like I said, I started notice probably sometime in the spring where it really got noticeable uh, that I was paying more at the grocery store. And and like I said, I'm not buying any more or more expensive food. So therefore, every bit of the increase is inflation. So, and pretty sure that everybody around the country is experiencing the same thing. So if you don't like it, then maybe you should uh, next year uh, kick those guys out of Congress that are supporting these uh, multi-trillion dollar spending bills and doing all this budget uh, reconciliation, basically abusing the budget reconciliation process, which is a little bit too involved to get into now, but suffice to say that budget reconciliation is supposed to be for budgetary items only and they're trying to democrats are trying to slip things in um because what happens when you do it under budget reconciliation you basically don't need the same amount of votes um long story short so it's a cheaper way of getting uh legislation through um but what they're abusing it that the democrats are because they're doing things they're trying to get things passed that have nothing to do with the budget like they wanted to uh give amnesty to currently illegal aliens you know they want to legalize all the dreamers and uh things of that nature the uh because the Senate parliamentarian nixed that, said, no, this uh, immigration um, part portion of the bill, that has nothing to do with the budget. It's its own thing, and therefore it should be done in a separate piece of legislation. So uh, good for them, good for the parliamentarian. You don't usually hear about the congressional parliamentarians that much um but it's good to say uh that they're at least um keeping their eye on the ball doing their job apparently so but i'm sure that they're going to slip through the this is a bill that's thousands and thousands of pages long and they're trying to slip a whole lot of stuff that's not really having to do with keeping the government running. Um, so they're, they're trying to slip. They're basically trying to pull a fast one on the American people. And people are voting for because they don't know what the heck it is they're voting for. And they're, and they're obviously not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you and me what all these things like the, 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 but the immigration portion of it they tried to slip through and all these other things changes to the voting rules and whatnot they're trying to load up a whole lot of stuff uh into this budget packet that is not part properly part of the budget so they're doing it this way because again it's the uh it's a cheap way to get things through 
with less votes than you would normally have to get a normal piece of legislation through. And so, of course, they're doing that. They're abusing the reconciliation process, as they did with Obamacare. Um, basically deemed as passed, um, doing all the all of these maneuvers and tricks. Um, and, of course, to this day, um, there are people who would tell you that that was not, that uh, Obamacare should not have passed. There was no allowance in the rules for it to have passed the way it did but um i guess the selective uh ignoring of certain rules allowed obamacare to pass and so they're trying to do the same thing here trying to pull the wool over our eyes uh pull a fast one on the american people and on uh members of congress that maybe are not paying attention which thankfully there's enough are and they can point all of these extra things like the immigration packages, changing to the voting rules and stuff like that that they're trying to slip into all of this legislation. So it seems like tomorrow, um, well, tomorrow being as I speak these words, tomorrow being the 4th of October, seems like that will be, that's, the do or die time for this piece of legislation. So it looks like uh, Biden is going to miss out on getting his centerpiece uh, piece of legislation, which kind of reminds me, just as an aside, of you remember when early on in Trump's presidency, we had the attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare. That failed basically by one vote. Uh, it was Senator John McCain basically, uh, spitefully, in my opinion, denying uh, Trump this signature piece of legislation that would have, uh, I think, really helped the health care situation out, would have uh, repealed Obamacare and replaced it with better programs. Um, I think we would have been better off had it passed it would have certainly would have been better off than what we had uh but luckily um under trump we did get the tax package uh passed and so the mandate the man, the mandate that said you had to buy obamacare or receive a tax money that part was carved out so the most pernicious part of obamacare the one that forces you to buy it, uh, that was carved out under the tax package. So I guess, uh, you know, Trump kind of, you know, batted 500. So he didn't get repeal and replace done, uh, thanks largely in part to a spiteful John McCain. Um, but he did get the tax package through, and that did have some bipartisan support and of course that was sold by the democrats as tax breaks for the rich uh, but uh plenty of middle class people receive tax breaks and of course most people actually who pay tax paid less tax after the, the tax the tax bill was passed so 
and of course a lot of the corporations that receive breaks uh they reinvested that money um some of them gave bonuses to their workers uh some of them uh reinvest into new technology so they did they just didn't pocket those tax breaks a lot of the corporations actually reinvested the the tax breaks into uh i guess r and d or uh business development or market development or product development or they gave it back to the workers and so that was a good thing that you don't hear really from the politicians or the media today about the tax bill so you had that and so you know just to kind of sum up your driving i'm driving a car that is probably bigger than a normal car and it's mainly due to the cafe standard getting around the cafe standards and um, burning gas that costs more due to supply shortages uh, on both sides of the ocean and of course also due to closing of the pipelines and uh, biden's war on fossil fuels driving up the price we just got to the point of energy independence in the united states and uh, uh president biden put the kibosh on that uh, in his infinite wisdom and then once you get to the checkout line you have to wait longer because the store has fewer staffers because they let people go who were not vaccinated who didn't or couldn't pass a a uh, test the COVID test and in some cases they're just fired the you know i think in new york state if i understand correctly uh the unvaccinated people who didn't get vaccinated were fired terminated uh, of course there's going to be a lawsuits a series of lawsuits well-deserved lawsuits on the uh vaccine mandate coming up and between them a lot of damage is going to get done so speaking of the vaccine mandate um getting back to that promise i would um revisit that topic um so to conclude the podcast and in, in this last segment let's talk about that uh the vaccine mandate uh, again, the vaccine mandate is for companies. He's doing it through OSHA. He's gonna. They're good. OSHA is supposed to write the rules that any company over 100 employees uh, has. They have to be vaccinated. It's for employee emergency safety measures or something of that nonsense. Um, and it is nonsense because it's an abuse of what that law or what that provision is, is supposed to be for. Um, it's supposed to be for an actual emergency. You know, if, you know, it's it's to tell, um, you know, certain industries, maybe something like to cease immediately using lithium, lithium batteries because they can blow up and catch fire. So that is what, the rule in OSHA is meant to do the, the emergency provision under OSHA and, and 
uh, what Biden is doing is they're, they're overstepping that boundary, abusing that provision or that law in OSHA, that ability of OSHA. And I think uh, I think that they're going to lose the case, but it, like I said, it's going to be they're going to do a lot of damage to a lot of people in the meantime before these cases are resolved. Um, so you have that, you have this forced vaccination. And so think about that. All right. You have, see, so you have two workers, right? One with some immunity, uh, to COVID due to vaccination. Another unvaccinated, but with superior natural immunity due to a recent case of COVID. The immunized gets to keep their job, no problems. The other must submit to weekly COVID tests or lose their job despite having natural immunity. Now here's, this begs the question. Okay, if neither poses a significant risk to others, health risk to others, and the only appreciable difference is the presence of a vaccine in one of their systems, why does one have to jump through hoops to stay employed? Okay, think about that. You have one person, you have two people, both have immunity, certain degree of immunity to COVID-19, of course not absolute but it's never absolute but you have two people with immunity some degree of immunity to COVID-19 one person is fully vaccinated they get to keep their job keep on going the other person has natural immunity which uh scientists a lot of studies are showing that uh natural immunity is superior for for at least for a time than what the vaccine gives you. And so you have a case where people who with actually have superior immunity to COVID-19 are being fired. Um, meanwhile, their counterparts with less immunity to COVID-19 are being allowed to keep no problem. And so if the only difference between the two, and again, neither is posing a significant uh, health risk to their peers, to their community. Um, then what's the difference between the two? The only difference is one person has the vaccine running through their veins, right? And so if that's the only appreciable difference um, then the issue can't really be protecting people from COVID. Because if that were the case, then there would be no reason to sanction the person with superior natural immunity to COVID-19. So it's not about protecting people. Then, then what is it about? Um, the only difference is one person has the vaccine, a person doesn't. So the difference must be the vaccine. Someone took a vaccine, uh, received the vaccine that somebody, we did, the, the taxpayers, paid for. So 
one person has something that Pfizer made money off of or Moderna or Johnson and Johnson made money off of. And the other person has uh, things, you know, immunity running through their veins that they got for free. And so the only difference is uh, one got their immunity for free and the other didn't. Okay. Now, you know, the vaccines are free to that worker or that person. The vaccines themselves are not free. Someone's paying for that. And that's you and I, you know, the federal government is, is, uh, uh, feeding the bill for these vaccines, uh, which in itself is fine, but also, you know, let's not be naive and think that, um, the Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca, all these companies that make vaccines are making a pretty penny from them because they're not doing their, they're not making the vaccines for free. Obviously they're getting paid for it. They're, it's just not us, the, the consumers paying for it directly. We're paying for it indirectly with their tax dollars. But Pfizer is definitely getting paid for each dose that they, they that's administered for each dose that that uh, America bought, and uh, of course, there's talk talk about the boosters now, and the boosters, of course, are you know the uh, President Biden just recently got his booster, I think it, it was of the Pfizer shot, and so I think he received it, if I'm not mistaken late last year, I want to say like November, late November, uh, early December, right when the vaccine first was approved for with the emergency operate, uh, authorization. So basically all of the important people got it. The president got it. Um, you know, all, you know, the members of Congress uh, and such, you know, they were among the first to get it. So it would have, I guess it would have been somewhere around nine, 10 months since the president received his vaccination, was fully vaccinated. And what I've heard, um, it depends on who you, you know, who did the study and who you talk to, but the, the ranges are from six months to eight months. That Those are the two most common um, amounts of time after the initial set of shots that, uh, they say that you may be required for a booster. And of course, Pfizer is pushing for six months. Well, you know, that's obviously that's, that's two shots every year. You know, that's, you know, you're selling booster shots now. You know, and a lot of those booster shots wouldn't have been sold to the government yet. You know, they're yet to be sold. And so, of course, they want you to take a booster shot every six months. You know, if they're getting paid for it, you know, they they have you get a shot every month. You know, because they're, that's more money for them. You know, and so taking, I don't know what the math is, but they're making a, a good percentage more than just even if you extend it to eight months. Okay. So you're talking over a number of years, you're probably talking about hundreds of millions of dollars 
in booster shots alone just by adjusting from six months to eight months. So you're talking about millions, hundred, probably hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of several years with the boosters. So of course they want, Pfizer wants uh, you to get a booster as many as you can. Uh, they want you to get as many boosters as you can possibly get. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there is a monetary objective to that. Now, it's not, no, it's not to say that there's no science to back up the idea of getting a booster. But, you know, I mean, you have to, you know, try not be naive. You know, don't be naive and say, well, it's six months. You know, I, I saw some posting somewhere where four months, you know, booster every four months was being talked about. I don't know where the heck they got that. I've never heard that from any scientific person or any doctor. So I don't know where they got that, but they were talking about four months. That's ridiculous. Um, six months and eight months are the two most commonly uh, time periods for boosters. Um, but really, uh, I we don't know. The... the uh, CDC approved the boosters, I believe, or the FDA maybe, uh, for people over 65. So, and with with certain uh, conditions, also people with certain conditions. So, uh, they're in the business of selling boosters, which, I mean, you know, I don't begrudge them if the boosters are truly necessary, but, you know, they are obviously, you know, incentivized to sell you more uh boosters than may be necessary well that's just the long and short of it you know leaving all, all of the science and economics that's basically it they want to sell you as many of the shots as possible and so keep that in mind um as you hear the arguments for mandatory boosters which is coming the idea of mandatory boosters is coming it's you know bet the dog in the house on that so anyway uh thanks for listening i appreciate everybody listening to liberty relearn podcast and also if you want to check us out online at libertyrelearn.com i would appreciate that and follow liberty relearned on facebook make sure you tell your friends if you like this podcast uh tell your friends share it it's very easy to share podcasts nowadays you just hit the share button and Boom, off it goes. Off in cyberspace, lands on your friend's cell phone, which hopefully they open it. All right, thank you for listening. Um, of course, we'll have more to talk about next week. So until then, stay healthy, happy, and free. Thanks, bye.